Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series I will be reaching out to the global community, exploring the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on their futures and the future of the industry as we navigate the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 6 of Raw Talent, where we are heading to Ireland and jumping into the world of AR and exploring how augmented reality is helping bring furniture to life inside your home, which is an ideal solution for brands with physical stores impacted by lockdown, online brands and consumers looking for new furniture and homeware items. Plop have harnessed ingenious technology that allows you to place an item of furniture in your home on your mobile so that you can see what it looks like before you buy. Hi, Alan. Welcome to Raw Talent. It's lovely to have you. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Fiona. I really appreciate you you, uh, inviting me on. I hope the weather in Ireland is better than the drizzle in London. Absolutely not. Uh, I think we're in the same boat there for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We're sharing the same terrible weather system. That's good to know. Excellent. So technology is evolving, as we know, at an ever-increasing pace. In a nutshell, what is AR or augmented reality, to give it its full name? So augmented reality, really simply, like it's just a way to view 2D or 3D um, items or objects, information in your world as if it was there. Most people's probably experience of this is something like Pokemon Go or Snapchat filters, Instagram filters, things like that. And probably where most people get confused or hung up with it is with its close cousin uh, VR or virtual reality. Yes. Yeah. So so VR is a way to completely immerse yourself in a completely different environment. And that's typically done with like the likes of goggles. Um, although AR can have goggles, most likely you're using a mobile device and um, just the iPhone or, or, or Android in your pocket to, to view the AR content. So again, it's just viewing 2D, 3D content in your world as if it was there. Amazing. So clever. So you have a BA and an MA in media science and interactive media, respectively. What was the motivation that inspired your university studies and sort of led to this? Yeah, so I suppose the two, <laughs> they're two very different um, motivations. I think when I went into university, I really wanted to do audio video production and was just mad about having a, I suppose, spending time in a studio and doing recording guitars and drums and videos. And um, I still kind of have a bit of that creative streak in me for sure. And and, and love opening Photoshop or uh, Premiere Pro when I get a chance. But eventually in college, they started dropping more and more coding projects on us. 
And eventually, after a few months, it kind of clicked. And then maybe after a year or two, I had the, the second click um, of, of, hey, I can type some stuff into a screen here and something comes up um, on my phone. And it just re- it really understood, like it, it unlocked another kind of potential for me. And d- during university, our course was quite arts focused. And it was even like even though it was a um, bachelor of science and and masters of science, it they were quite arts focused and quite kind of let's say high level conceptual projects that we would get. And I'd always have in the back of my mind, um, on oh, no one's going to use this thing, no one's going to pay for this thing. What's the point in putting all my effort into something that no one's going to use or pay for? Um, and then eventually, I did a hackathon in Dublin. Uh, ended up winning the hackathon, and just in my mind. Uh, business and code clicked together and I was like oh my god why didn't I think of this before but um, at least I thought of it now and let's let's uh, steamroll ahead into, into startups is, is basically how it happened. Amazing and the hackathon that you won just in case people don't know what that is explain. Oh yeah so basically uh, it was called the ESB big energy hack so the ESB is like our um, national energy supply and we ended up designing uh, over the course of a weekend, a crisis management system for them. Um, and it was basically, you get a brief, it's like a, um, it, 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 it basically set up a business in a weekend type event. You get it, you you kind of a, have a little team that you've never met before. Um, it was an amazing experience, to be honest. And at the end of the weekend, you have to pitch your idea and ultimately your solution uh, to the uh, company, which was like Ireland's national electricity provider, and a host of other startup judges. So it was an amazing experience just to kind of dive headfirst uh, into into business startups, pitching, coding, scrapping things together, staying up, uh, getting four hours sleep a night type stuff. Uh, it was brilliant. Amazing. What a brilliant opportunity to have. And you won it. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, to be honest, I couldn't believe it. I mean, like just kind of getting closer and closer towards the end of the weekend, we kind of felt like, yeah, we're getting something where, where you can just kind of feel that kind of like tangible grasp of of your idea kind of coming to life whereas if you know literally 24 48 hours earlier you had nothing apart from a few post-its on a piece of paper um so it was it it just had me hooked from from day one is to say what was it what was the idea that you pitched yeah so, so so there was a few different kind of core concepts uh that they that they had pitched to us is to say like it's just to kind of steer us i guess um yeah uh, but ultimately what we had pitched was a crisis management system. So we figured out like that um, during storms and crises, it can be really hard to prioritize, you know, hey, where do you, where do you repair the lines first? What's dangerous? Yeah. How do we categorize all this? What type of crews do we send to it? What type of equipment do they have? Um, and it's just an absolute overload of information in a really short space of time. Um, so we designed a system uh, I basically did a digital mock-up and prototype of it. So it felt like a real working thing already, which I think is probably what nailed it for us in the end, where some groups had tried to kind of start like really building what they wanted to make ver- versus where we had kind of like a digital mock-up and it allowed us to move really, really quickly. And um, even though it kind of kept the same feeling of, hey, this is a, you know, this is a working system. So for us, we yeah, we, as I said, we designed a, a management system that allowed people to prioritize um, which incidents to go to basically during during crisis and uh, ended up uh, getting first place, which is great. Amazing. Well done. That's fantastic. And then tell us about the startup moments from your career. So after leaving university 
and before by before you became founder of Plop, what were the standout um, moments for you? So I suppose there's there's a few along the way, and and, and I think probably it, it, a bit of advice I'd have for any anyone in this kind of founder founder space or 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 uh, is just celebrate your wins as well. I mean, it's something that we with especially like in Ireland, like we're we're very. Um, we're not very kind of like rash or bullish about kind of celebrating things, especially kind of uh, kind of self compliments probably aren't uh, or, or, or self pat on the back goes goes a long way, but it's something that we don't do enough. Um, and I think kind of reflecting on your wins from time to time is really important. And um, whether it's a little contract you get, it's important just to you know if just even just opening a beer at the end of the week just to just to say yeah I did something good this week that's great. Um, but for me, like so, some of the stuff that, that stood out, I mean, I, I ended up last year winning uh, Limerick's Best Young Entrepreneur of the Year um, and, and, and Best Startup. Uh, and then uh, I suppose early on, one of the big things that helped out for sure um, was uh, getting into a few different accelerator programs like Startup Boost and, and New Frontiers. So I think that's the, that's something that we, we definitely be, um, be on my list of, of achievements for sure. That's fantastic. Really, really good. So you've kind of just harnessed this entrepreneurial spirit and run with it and sort of you found your niche, as it were. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose it's it's not uh, it's not been plain sailing by any stretch, but um, definitely, definitely enjoying what I'm doing at the moment, for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. What led to the what, what was the inspiration that led to the creation of Plop and how did you actually get it off the ground? Yeah, so... Uh, as I said, I, I did those. Uh, I, did, I did the interactive media masters. I, I specialized in augmented reality uh, development uh, for apps. In that, and uh, while doing my undergrad, I did a immersive project. Uh, it, it wasn't AR, but um, it was for retail. And okay. then afterwards, uh, after doing the hackathon, I realized, hey, look, I could probably do my own thing here, and had a look at, at AOR. I was really interested in AOR as a, as a space and had a look at where AOR was being used. And this was like pre IKEA app days. And, you know, there was no AOR kit for, for iPhone. Um, it was still very early days for AOR on mobile, um, especially kind of in the hindsight of now. But I had a look at, uh, at, this, at the tech and then tried to figure out, all right, where is this tech really going to impact and how is it going to be um, applicable? So it wasn't really kind of a traditional startup journey where someone says, I've got this real burning issue. How do I fix it? It was more, I've got this real cool piece of technology and I know it's going to be really powerful and really impactful. Where can I make the most impact with it? And that's kind of where um, I had a look at the homeware space and realized that, you know, there, there's so much returns in furniture. There really, there's a lot of anxiety around make, making furniture purchases for people, especially online. Yeah. Most people are reliant on physical stores, which yeah. they nowadays isn't uh, isn't uh, uh, much of an option. So when, when you're when when you're buying online, I mean, when, when you're spending, you know, you know, a thousand pounds uh, and more um, uh, on something, uh, it's it's definitely something you, you're going to want to be two hundred percent sure about uh, before you actually click that buy button. Uh, so for us, being able to visualize something in your home, it just alleviates that anxiety around fit and size and style. Um, and oftentimes is just bringing the item into your house. I mean, if you were to ask a retailer, how much would you pay for someone to deliver 
a sofa to your customer's house from the click of a button so they can test fit it and see if they like it. Um, it, it would be prohibitively expensive to get a van and the lads together. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so this is a much better solution, I think. A much better solution, definitely. It's, it's really, really clever. And um, why did you start, why did you decide to focus on home furnishings? Yeah, so so I suppose we had a look at the data um, on it. I mean, like ninety seven plus percent of of homeware is bought in store still at the moment. Um, so with that kind of heavy reliance, and and it, it just seems to be something that was really undigitized, that that retailers are still still having to open multiple 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 stores just to solve the issue of getting their products out there because of those anxiety issues. Yeah, um, and that, and that was really it. It's like how big is this in context? I mean, if you think about um most sofas you really want to go and and uh and see it not just to not just to you know have a a look at the cushions i suppose like most people are fairly confident that the sofa they buy is going to be comfortable nowadays it's not going to have springs in it or you know uh, <laughs> um exactly so it's um it that's kind of a, a settled thing that we find for a lot of people but it's more about that kind of size the textures the fabrics all that kind of stuff and if we can sell that to them um, in the context of their own house, like so, for example, in our um, in our service, once you launch an item into your house in AR, it is uh, automatically going to look at the light in your room, whether it's bright white daylight, like like uh, like luckily you have you have where you're at the moment, um, or whether it's more more of that kind of like incandescent night light, like you know the type of thing from a candle, or whether you've got this wallpaper, it's going to reflect all of those. Um, colors and, and temperatures onto the, the fabric itself and adjust. So it's really going to sell it to you as to like, this is exactly what's going to look like. And you just feel real confident about making that, making that purchase. Yeah, that's brilliant. Really, really good. So clever. Amazing. And I guess with lockdown in full swing, what is the difference you can make for a brand or business who have lost their physical store environment? How quickly can they get this up and running? Yeah, so I suppose that's kind of a two-part question for sure. So in terms of yeah. how we can get it up and running, um, it is, I mean, it's how long is a piece of string? How many products do you have? Do you have 3D models already? That's a big question. Like we can design the 3D models if you don't have them already. Um, but uh, often, oftentimes quite quickly, we, you know, most of our launches happen uh, within one to two weeks. Um, in terms of the impact that we actually make, it's really around conversion rates, uh, time on site, returns, customer satisfaction. And one of the big ones, and we see this as a, a somewhat time-sensitive one, is standing out from your competitors as well. In the homeware space, it's such a busy spot. You have to try and have something unique and differentiating to attract um, customers into your store, whether it's physical or online. So give someone a reason to come and shop on your store, whether it's AOR, whether it's uh, quick delivery, whether it's it's great customer service, great product images, great products themselves. Um, but AOR can play part of that um, strategy in, in attracting people uh, online. Yeah. In, term, yeah. in terms of the impact that we give, like we typically kind of triple conversion rates for our customers, if not quadruple them. Uh, so anyone that, that views AOR is three to four X more likely to actually buy the product once they've seen it um in anywhere as opposed to 2d uh, or video so that's 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 the big one for us um returns for our customers tend to be kind of a real binary thing it's either a big big problem or or not a problem for them um but oftentimes if it's not a problem for them at all typically means they probably have a, a fairly strict returns policy to begin with and that's kind of better um solving other things but that can then have an impact on conversion rates of course um, if someone's if someone knows they're not going to be able to bring it back, they're, they're going to want to be three hundred percent sure of 
uh, of that purchase. So yeah, yeah, there's a few different uh, avenues in which we we try and help out, and then obviously, uh, um, I know from our previous conversations, like Social AOR is one of our big USPs as a company where we can launch these same augmented reality experiences in Facebook in, and in Instagram. Um, and wow. that's something we're seeing massive, massive impact with, uh, especially in the UK at the moment. So essentially, uh, you know, when someone visits uh, a retailer's website and they leave the website without purchasing, we can retarget them with uh, AR experiences. So we can, so typically if someone's come to a website and not purchased, we know hey, they're probably suffering from that anxiety that I talked about of does it fit, does it suit? Um, typically, their targeting is fairly good enough to say like, oh, we're going to target someone who's in our price point. So typically, it's not the price that someone's worried about. It's the does it fit or does it suit? So um, we're getting 25x ROI on our, on our AR campaigns at the moment in, in, in the UK. So we're, we're really happy to, to try and scale that out too. So that, that's a big focus for this year. That's brilliant. So instead of losing those customers, they're actually you're actually converting them because suddenly they've got a tool where they're like, oh, I can see it in, in my home, whether it's like a lamp stand or a sofa or it could be anything, couldn't it? Any piece of furniture, I guess. Absolutely. So I suppose we're seeing, it, especially in the retail space, we're seeing it um, from anything from a lamp to we just launched with a company who do entire prefabricated rooms. Um, looking at uh, another company's researches for for kind of industrial machinery to test fit in their factory, and um, so there's there's loads of use, use cases for us. Homeware is obviously our, our primary focus, but um, anywhere where where size or um, size or style is the question, we can try and help solve that. That's so great, fantastic, really clever. What's the reaction been like from consumers? According to your customers, what feedback have they given you? Yeah, so I suppose the big thing is since kind of last March, our like our usage has tripled overnight. Um, so we've seen even kind of our smaller retailers have massive increases and massive influxes uh, in um, in their usage. It's funny, even one of of our um, as mentors from one of those uh, early accelerators we did ended up using our service on a retailer's website here in Ireland. Didn't even know it was us and uh, posted a nice review about it, uh, which which was fantastic to hear. Kind of just it, it, it happened out in the wild kind of organically. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's a great reaction. It's it's super usable. Um, and one thing I was kind of shocked by as well is the demographics of the people that use it. It's oftentimes 55-year-old women and up uh, is a really strong uh, cohort of our, of our users, which I was kind of expecting um nerdy guys like myself who are all about the tech uh to to hop into it uh but no it's it's really uh i mean women are often the the, the decision makers in the home when it comes to um kind of financial spend so that's that that kind of pulls through there as well so um by uh by being able to see that data it's really good but um yeah really really surprised by by the wide ranging both in age and demographics of, of the users we get yeah, very interesting. And I expect some of those are interior designers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> really good. Really, really interesting. What is your biggest success to date? Um, to be honest, I think probably our biggest success to date is that the case study we probably just published recently on um, the ROI we're getting in it for Facebook. Uh, okay. as it's something that, that none of our competitors are really focused on at the moment, which is great. And so we are really trying to scale that out this year. 
Um, I mean, we've had some good success with, with kind of pitches and investments and things like that as well. Um, but I suppose there's nothing really like seeing your clients take what you're doing and and harness it to its full potential. So um, that's that's a big win in, in my eyes for sure. Fantastic. Really great. You have a pretty scalable model um, with low, in, low in, in investment costs. Do your customers need an existing strong social media following to um, harness your technology? Does that help? Um, I think probably their current following doesn't matter too much as much as okay. as much as their their future following. Um, it, as long as they're they're I suppose kind of aggressively promoting their brand, they have I suppose the bits in place to do it. I mean, like we started with one of one of our UK clients when they had five thousand followers, um, and and they're they're one of our our best clients at the moment. So um, it's a it's definitely not so much of a question of where you are now, but where do you want to be. And if you've got that kind of scale and ambition, uh, I mean, we're we're more than happy to work with you. Um, so yeah, I think I definitely think there's there's no real bar, I suppose, as long as you're um, as as long as you're active, as long as you're future future minded. Uh, I think you can absolutely make use of this, especially yeah. on social. Um, it's it's got that kind of natural virality built into it. In that anyone that uses the AOR experience, they can take a photo, they can post that to their story, and anyone who sees that story can then interact with that same experience. So it's it's got that natural virality built into it. So you can you can grow quite quickly uh, if you harness the tech right. Interesting. That's good to know. What is the conversion? Tell us about conversion rates and how Facebook competes with Instagram and vice versa. Yeah, so it's interesting. So at the moment, we can't even run Facebook uh, AOR ads on Instagram at the uh, moment. It's it's just a, a limitation. So the way Facebook do things is they tend to release their AOR features on Facebook first, and eventually they trickle down to Instagram. Um, I was hoping to have have those ads ready by now. Obviously, they're that ad format ready by now. Um, but uh, I think it's probably a, a coronavirus might have uh, taken a bit of a of a hold of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's much, much the same. It's, it's a very similar experience between the two. Um, but we, you know, we're getting such good ROI on Facebook. It's, it's just about the scale of Facebook at the moment. Um, the amount of people that can push that is, is a lot more than just the organic on, on Instagram. Yeah, that makes sense. And what's the conversion been like for your customers on their own websites? Cause obviously you can apply the tech, they can apply the tech on their websites. What kind of feedback have you had about that? Yeah, so I mean, really, really, really positive to be honest. I mean, um, we're as I said, we're get, we're getting three to four x on average, um, okay, increased conversion rate. So anyone that tries AOR is 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 um, typically kind of uh, triple to quadruple as likely to purchase a product as if they as if they hadn't. So um, and then it's the same kind of trickles down for uh, returns, time on site. Uh, the whole way through the kind of metrics, people just tend to be really engaged by the experience. Um, ten, spending like up to ten minutes on their on on a, on a mobile website shopping like is is a um, really really strong purchase intent. So um, def, definitely excited to see that. Yeah, really fantastic. How easy is it to implement your product for for a new customer? Super easy to be honest. It's literally just a hyperlink. So if you can put a hyperlink on the website, you can put this on your website. Um, oh, very easy, very easy, and. Who would be on your customer wish list, you know, out of sort of all the brands that are out there? Who would you love to work for? Uh, well, I suppose I'd love to not limit anyone, but I mean, like, there's a load, there's a load of great innovative retailers out there. Um, Absolutely. I mean, like, 
you know, made.com springs to mind for sure. Um, I mean, even likes of like DFS, um, they'd be they'd be a great client to to have Yisker are um uh, expanding crazy in Ireland at the moment. Like they've they've up to a dozen stores, uh, really interesting strategy that they have. Um, so there, there's loads of brands that I'd admire out there for, for all different reasons, whether it's their, their brick and mortar strategy, their online strategy, their social strategy, uh, uh just a, an interesting piece of tech they have on their website um, whatever it is. But, um, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, there's too many to list to be honest, but that's um, yeah. for me for sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's such a booming area. And you've got so many niche brands as well as established brands. There's so many people to choose from. So, yeah, I completely get that. What would you say has been your um, greatest achievement so far? Um, I think it's probably more of a macro thing and that's just kind of resilience. I yeah. think the big thing is like it's something people probably tend to forget about is, is the um, the stress that comes along with, with running your own business. It uh, can, can be quite uh, overbearing at times. So I think just yes. kind of, Sticking in there and 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 staying around and not giving up is probably my 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 biggest thing. I think that's a brilliant one. It's a really good a really good piece of advice to people as well. I also run a business and I think yeah, it's nerve wracking at times and resilience and just keeping on going. Um, there's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think I heard a yeah. great. Great uh, quote from a from a talk once. Um, absolutely stealing this, but uh, he said that uh, ever since I started my business, I've uh, slept like a baby. I, I wake up at four four a.m. crying, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's uh... <laughs> yeah, I can feel that pain. That's hilarious. So no, I think um, yeah, that's a really it's a really good one actually, and uh, it's not something people would ordinarily say. So well, good on you for. <laughs> I think that's so valid because yeah. there's so many peaks and troughs when you're running a business. So, um, yeah, brilliant. What's been the biggest challenge but a great learning opportunity? Um, I suppose that, uh, geez, I mean, there's so many you get them kind of every day, to be honest, don't you? Um, but I, I, th- I think for me, negotiation is uh, is probably the one of the biggest ones for me it's probably something that i vastly underestimated didn't even think about starting out i was like oh my god i'm gonna have to negotiate for these contracts i'm not just gonna say the thing say say what we do say the price and they're gonna sign up straight away that's not gonna happen uh, <laughs> um what's so wrong with the world i know exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, hey, if there's any clients that are out there, let me know. But, uh, <laughs> um, but no, it, it, in all serious, I think I think it's. I mean, there's so many aspects to running running a business, whether it's sales, marketing, technical development, um, uh, the qualitative stuff like resilience, etc. You get chances to learn on a daily basis, whether you realize it or not. Um, so I think just having that kind of self improvement, treating it almost like a college project where um you have a bunch of really set deliverables that you want to kind of get done for yourself in a specific amount of time um is uh is something I, i'm still trying to uh improve on um but yeah i think you, you definitely have to have that that reflection and say like oh my god i'm actually a better sales person than i am this year even though my title is not a, a salesperson um that's part of what i do is 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 try and um help companies out with this um so you have to, I suppose, have the the tools to um to do that. Same with negotiation. Um, yeah. you know, there's so many different aspects to, to this that I didn't think I'd I'd get into, have an interest in, or need to have an interest in. 
um, but have come in so handy and, and I suppose have, you know, if I ever end up doing anything else, will obviously send me. Um, yes, you'll be that. very 360, won't you? Because you'll have just learned so many different elements. Absolutely. Many things you've had to get involved with. Absolutely. That's, really, that's a really good point. And um, what are your goals and aspirations for 2021? What's on the agenda? Yeah, so in the short term, like uh, I mean, with lockdown here, we're trying to help out as many retailers as possible in one go. Yeah. So like we've got some really interesting partnerships coming up. Um, hopefully a- able to announce them in a bit more um publicity soon. Uh, but definitely, I suppose our macro goal for the, for the next while is to partner with a lot with a lot of e-commerce agencies. Um, a lot of people who can give us that kind of one to many access. Uh, with retailers, brands. Um, platforms in the industry um, and kind of help us scale out now that we are ready to do so. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of our, our short-term goal, uh, longer for the, for the year. Um, I mean, we see it being really as um, a foundational change in how people view the brick and mortar store and the online store um, where we, we have people who have never shopped online. Uh, has, it is now their only avenue to shop um, and a lot of them are realizing, hey, it's not actually not that bad. You know, uh, it saves my credit card details. I don't have to. I don't have to wait in line. Uh, uh, I can. I can go from upstairs in the sh- in the showroom to downstairs in the showroom with the click of a button. Yeah. Um, I don't have to drive forty miles to get there and just find parking. Um, so it's yeah. it's um, it, there's a whole cohort of new users that I think are are going to uh, rethink about how they look at online shopping. And I, I think that's something that we're really excited for. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely going to be the legacy of the pandemic, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Mm, one of its legacies. Um, and my closing question is this. If you could hire any three people in the world to lend their expertise to your business, who would you choose and why? Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, the obvious answer is Elon. Uh, I mean, anything that... Yeah, he's so popular. He's my yeah. most, probably my most. I'm gonna need to create an award for him because he comes up every time yeah. I ask this question. His name pops up. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I, like I mean, the, it's it's kind of a no-brainer to be honest. Um, secondly, uh, it will be uh, Chamath Palapatia, and if you haven't heard of him, he's like the ex-head of growth of Facebook. Um, okay, I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's uh, he runs Social Capital now at the moment, and I think he's a really interesting guy um has a, a, few, a few amazing kind of speeches and talks that he's he's put out there um and he he took virgin galactic public last year um and he's taken a few few more companies public this year so apart from um me loving him for uh the increase in shares from <laughs> from, from from me investing in, the, in his companies uh i, I think he's a, a brilliant founder um amazing to listen to and, and really has his head screwed on right as to as to how the world works and how he hopes to influence its direction, uh, which I think is brilliant. Um, and then lastly is Jocko Willink. Uh, and he is a ex-Navy SEAL guy, uh, amazing um, entrepreneur and has his own podcast. Just really, really, I suppose, motivational and kind of gives you that that well-needed kick up the you-know-what when you need it, you know? Um, so I think just that that kind of big, big thinker engineer um, from Elon, the the operator from Jocko, and the I think the strategist and scaler um, from from Chamath, I think is is the is my tree. Amazing, really fantastic. 
Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. It's been really interesting and hopefully people will be very inspired to seek out AR when they're buying furniture, going to retailers that are using it and enjoying the experience. Thanks so much, Brianna. Really pleasure talking to you and thanks so much for having me on. Pleasure. Diving into the world of AR with Alan gives us a glimpse into the future of online shopping. Through Plop, he has created a B2B business model that enables brands and businesses to showcase their product at the touch of a button in the homes of the consumer, taking the worry away from big purchases by allowing them to test the size, fit and colour against their own environment. Alan explains that AR is the ability to view a 2D image in your world, a bit like Snapchat filters or Pokemon, not to be confused with VR, which is fully immersive and takes you into a different environment altogether. As coding increasingly encroached in Alan's university curriculum, he started to become more interested. And after winning a hackathon briefed by Ireland's electricity supplier, the penny dropped that coding and business were a no-brainer. Realising he could do his own thing, Alan began to pursue his interest in AR, looking at where the technology could make a difference. He spotted an opportunity in furniture and interiors in helping to alleviate the anxiety around making a big purchase by enabling consumers to see what their chosen items could look like in their space before deciding to buy. Something that has come into its own during lockdown with bricks and mortar stores closed and unable to open. Alan has added another dimension by being the first to bring AR to Facebook and Instagram, as well as custom zone websites, where they have experienced at least a three to fourfold increase in sales, as well as a 25% conversion on abandoned carts by offering AR. Alan has a broad wish list of niche and established businesses he'd love to show props technology to, including made.com and DFS. Meanwhile, he is focused on helping as many retailers as possible to continue to trade during lockdown. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I will be speaking with strategic brand consultant Erin Mullaney, discovering how brands have successfully ridden the waves of the pandemic. And if you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes, where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.